Welcome back to The Liz Show. Today is going to be a short episode. We're going to bottom line it, get right to the point. I'm really going to remain at the eagle eye view, and we are going to psychoanalyze the perfectionistic mindset. And my agenda in doing this is to help you understand perfectionism from that eagle eye view. And also, if you're a leader or a manager or you have someone in your life who struggles with perfectionism, my goal is to help you help them. Now, remember, not everyone wants help. Not everybody's gonna accept help and you cannot help someone who doesn't want help. So at some point you're gonna have to let things go. But my goal is again to help you understand the perfectionistic mindset. So I'm gonna psychoanalyze the perfectionistic mindset at that eagle eye view in a general way. Make sure you bring that person or your unique personality to the table to kind of customize it. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go over the psychometric traits or the personality traits I really should say that the perfectionistic most likely has. By no means this is a hard science, but in over 10 years of doing psychometric testing and performance coaching, I can tell you that a lot of perfectionistics fall into these personality traits. And so I want to help you be a better leader, better communicator, and so forth with that individual. I'm also going to do a longer, more thorough episode that's going to come out on Thursday. Make sure you keep your eyes out for that episode. Um, All episodes come on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I hope you are liking the Liz show. So let's get to it. I'm going to keep it short and simple. And one of my goals, as I go through this quick episode is to create a linear view for the perfectionistic mindset. I don't know about you, but psychology can be very abstract. I'm a linear thinker. I like to have that product-minded way of thinking, and you're going to see why in a second. And so I'm going to try to lay it out in that way. So stay with me, and I hope it all makes sense. So first, we're going to talk about the psychometrics, the personality traits that create perfectionism. Then I'm going to explain it. So there's going to be a moderate to high level of conscientiousness. This means they're going to place the wishes and the welfare of others before their own interest. They might be dominated by a sense of duty. They might be concerned about moral standards. Ultimately, they might be really moralistic. Now, here's the thing. Not every perfectionistic is highly conscientious. That's not always going to be the case. I guess I should have said this sooner. Really, it's going to be that eagle eye view of are they type A? Are they influenced by wanting to achieve a certain status or thing? Because that can also make a person become more perfectionistic. So some of these psychometric traits or personality traits are going to really be dependent on the person's overall temperament. There's a lot of free temperament quizzes out there that you can take. Nonetheless, there's going to be a level of conscientiousness there. Now, usually it's fairly high, but not always. For instance, if a person is more like Eeyore, they're going to be more conscientious. If they're a little bit more like Rabbit, they're going to be less conscientious. And if they are a little bit more like Tigger or Piglet, that could fall kind of in the middle. That's going to be very dependent. They're also going to have moderate to high structure. They're going to be highly structured in their thought process. They're going to even require precise and complete information. They will have a great ability to structure their thinking and organize their thoughts and actions quite effectively. Now, again, you can be perfectionistic across the board or you can be perfectionistic in certain tasks. So someone might have more structure at work, but not in their personal life. There's gonna be a level of moderate to high order. This means they're gonna strive to maintain physical order in their environment. They're gonna have a strong dislike for disorganization. Both personal and work environment will reflect this. Here's the thing about order and organization. Simply because it doesn't look organized to you doesn't actually mean it's not organized. So melancholies are going to be a little bit more like Eeyore, and they have chaotic organization, meaning 
it might look super messy, but they can find everything and it's just the way their brains work. So hold this with open-mindedness. The perfectionistic's also gonna have low flexibility. They're gonna prefer things to remain the same, remain as they are. They might resist innovation. They might resist new ideas. They might not be too fond of change. They might not wanna change their methods or attitudes when change is clearly obvious. There's gonna be a high to moderate level of responsibility, meaning they're willing to accept responsibility for their consequences, for their words, for their actions. And if they have a lower level of self-confidence, they're gonna have more guilt for when they fail to hit it quote unquote perfect. Because when you have high responsibility and you have medium to low self-esteem, there's this like toxic guilt that comes about. There's gonna be a moderate to high level of assertiveness. This is a maybe, this isn't always gonna be the case. This is where you have to also see their temperament because that's gonna tweak things and recalibrate things to a degree. So someone who's assertive is gonna be a person who believes in taking the offense is essential to attaining success. There's also gonna be a low to moderate tough-mindedness, meaning they're gonna be a little bit more tender, a little bit more emotionally sensitive. They're gonna be someone whose feelings might easily get hurt or they might have difficulty accepting rejection or disappointment and they might not function the best in unpleasant environments. Now with that said, they might not have the best control, meaning when they feel frustrated, they're gonna have a harder time controlling their emotions, controlling their behaviors, controlling their thoughts, controlling their words. And unfortunately, the perfectionistic self-esteem isn't always the healthiest. There is a difference between self-esteem and self-confidence. They are not the same thing. Self-esteem is your opinion about yourself and self-confidence is your opinion about your skills and your talents and how other people see you and how you know other people see you. Typically, perfectionistic individuals tie their worth to what they do. They struggle with performance love, and so they have a lower level of self-esteem. Now, this is where it becomes super dangerous because they also usually have a moderate to high recognition. Usually, I see that they have higher recognition than not, and people who have high recognition want to be viewed as socially desirable. They want to have a approval of humans and they're very concerned about their reputation. So that means they're going to struggle with fear of man, people pleasing, giving people more power than they really actually have to affirm their worth. And they have this large part to achieve acknowledgement. And they're very driven to achieve acknowledgement from their peers or from people that maybe have hurt their feelings or pissed them off in the past. And so they have this huge desire to do the right thing and meet social expectations. If you take a step back, grade school teaches kids how to be type A. And the social expectation in school is get an A, get 100%. If you don't get 100%, you fail, you suck. And this is kind of the self-talk behind the perfectionistic's mind. It's their unconscious way of thinking. And so because their self-esteem is a little bit low and they have this high recognition, they struggle with people-pleasing, they struggle with trying to do everything right, they struggle with being everyone's everything because they desire human approval so much. And this is dangerous because, hello, humans can't agree on anything and no human can tell you you're worthy or not because your worth is actually 100% constant, doesn't actually change. So those are the big personality traits that the perfectionistic will have. If you're curious to know what your personality traits might be, I encourage you to go to elizabethlewis.com backslash performance dev dev ass. Yeah, it's a super weird link because I didn't realize what it said until I verbalized it, but just go with it. I will also put that link in the podcast notes. 
So now I want to go over the thinking traps. And if you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're married to someone who struggles with perfectionism, or you're just trying to help someone who struggles with perfectionism, I want you to start paying attention to their words. Because the big thinking traps for perfectionistic individuals are should statements and all or nothing thinking. And in fact, a lot of thinking traps fall into all or nothing thinking. We could kind of boil it down to that one. But as you engage or communicate with that individual who has a perfectionistic way of thinking, count how many times they say should. Count how many times they say need, ought, or must. They're typically very, very rigid in the way that they think. It's very narrow-minded. And if you want to learn more about like the dangers of thinking traps, I encourage you to check out the following episodes. Episode two of The Liz Show, which is called Why It's Important to Know Your Thinking Traps. Episode three, How to Challenge Thinking Traps. And episode four, which is How to Distance Yourself from Thinking Traps. I apparently forgot how to count in that moment. Anywho. You can also go and take your own thinking trap quiz on my website, elizabethlewis.com. It is what thinking trap is limiting you. I will also put that link in the podcast notes. Now, I want you to understand the fears, the core fears that the perfectionist has. They fear discomfort. They fear not being enough. They have fear of poverty. They believe that love is earned. While cognitively speaking, they might know that's not true. That is what their experience has taught them. That if they do well, they get love. If they do poorly, someone retracts their love from them. And perfectionistic individuals have clearly a unhealthy way of viewing life because perfectionism is a very destructive belief. It's a belief that's never going to help you get to where you want to go. And in fact, it's going to limit you more times than not. So if you're managing a perfectionistic individual, there's a few things that I want you to consciously do. Number one is you need to make them feel safe and important and valued regardless of what they do. You know, I understand that we have quotas to meet as managers, but you have to remember the person standing in front of you is that. It's a person. It's a person with feelings. And while work is important, work is never going to be more important than somebody's feelings, somebody's worth, somebody's essence, somebody's reason for existing, if you will. And what I'm really trying to say there is I want you to start to develop more of a servant leadership heart with that perfectionistic individual. And I want you to encourage them to to take the perfection hat off and to experiment, to start to trust themselves, to let them know that it's okay if you don't get it perfect. Here's the funny thing about perfectionism. Typically, their 80% is the average person's 100%. So if you can get them to start to trust themselves more, we can start to decrease the perfectionistic mentality. It's going to take time. The other thing you can do is help them grow awareness of when maybe their perfectionistic way of thinking is hindering their performance. This is huge. Again, you managers, you are coaches, you are therapists more than you might realize. In a way, you're like a step parent. And so your duty, your like foundational, unspoken, unconscious duty is to pour love into that person, to help them see that they really can actually do whatever they put their mind to. Now, yeah, there's a tough news situation here, right? Sometimes you have to kick that person to the curb because they're actually hindering business and it is a business and we have to run the business and I get that. But if you have somebody who's willing to change, if you have someone who really wants to do their best in their job, then you can do this. Now, if you struggle with perfectionism, this is what you have to do. You have to start practicing acceptance. You have to start to find the gray area of le- of life. Set realistic expectations. 
normalize fear, normalize fear of discomfort, normalize the fact that sometimes when you step outside your comfort zone, you're going to have a somatic sensation that makes you feel like you can't breathe. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Learn how to become comfortable being uncomfortable. That's the key. Also start to identify what triggers your product-minded thinking because that's the thing. People who are perfectionistic think in a product-minded way, meaning this is going to create that, which is going to go to this, could go to that. That's not life. Life is so much more chaotic than that. And one thing I want to leave you with is perfectionistic people feel that they have to be the best at what they do. I want to give you permission right now to let you know that I don't care if you're the best. I don't care if you're better than Billy Bob or Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. That's not necessarily even quantifiable because what does it mean to be the best? Because being the best is typically a temporary time in life. It's a moment. Maybe you won the gold medal. Great. That doesn't mean you're always going to win the gold medal. However, if you learn how to develop a growth mindset, meaning you're going to focus more on your effort than your ability, you can continue to be great. Because the key isn't being the best, really. The key is learning how to master yourself and become your best version of you, which means you can only compare yourself to you, which means you can only work to improve each day little by little based on what you're already doing. And to be really blunt, for the perfectionist, being one's best really isn't enough. So it's a catch-22. They want to be the best, but it's also not enough. So understand it's a very suppressing way of thinking because ultimately they believe their worth is determined by their performance. And since day-to-day performance varies and fluctuates on a given day based on so many other things, a perfectionistic sense of worth is going to fluctuate. So my encouragement to you or to the leader is how can you get them to see that their worth is a constant? How can you start to detach themselves from what they do or what they don't do? How as a leader can you start saying, hey, Bob, great job. I really appreciate you taking that risk. How can you be a little bit more intentional with when you give them positive rewards? I mean, Sarah Blakely is the owner of Spanx, and one thing that her parents did every single night, it appears, at the dinner table was asked their kids, where'd you fail? Where'd you fail today? And I love the teachers in, in elementary school who are doing this because what we have to do is develop a more positive relationship with failure. Because if you want to do your best, if you want to be the best person you can possibly be, understand that failure is a guarantee. You're going to fail. But simply because you have a failed attempt does not make you a failure. In fact, I really believe failing is when you just ultimately give up and you say, screw it, I'm not going to do this anymore. To me, that's failure. But if you have the resiliency, if you have the self-belief, if you have the conviction that by God, you're going to do this, if it's the last thing that you do, that you're going to make up your mind and you're going to try and try and try and try and intentionally work on becoming the best person you can be or intentionally work on achieving that goal, then you're not failing. You're not. Most of the people use their brain for entertainment in today's world. So learn where you're lying to yourself and develop the education, develop the resources, develop the skills and the strengths for you to be the best person you can be while having a positive relationship with failure. Because failure actually shows you data. Failure is actually a great thing to have because we learn faster when we fail, but only when we see failure as something that's safe to do. So managers, how can you create a space? How can you create psychological safety for your team to fail in appropriate ways. This is where we got to walk that plank. We got to walk that real fine line. 
My point is this, being the best is perspective. Not everyone thinks the best is the best. Second off, how can you love that person and show them that what they do or what they don't do has nothing to do with their worth? Lastly, how can you help them practice acceptance and realize that perfection is unattainable? My name's Elizabeth Lewis. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please know that I believe in you. You do not have to stay a certain way just because you are that way. Change is always possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it to at least one person and make sure you subscribe to the Liz show so you stay up to date on when our new episodes come out. Thank you so much and go and create a great day because it's up to you.